0: Welcome to the Wealth Studying podcast. This is episode 111. It's May 18th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at InvestableWealth.com. Well, today's episode is part two of the discussion that we started in the last episode about the patience to build, preserve, and grow your wealth which is very relevant today and it's based on a lot of questions and comments I've been receiving from listeners that are currently trading in this market that we're in right now. It's a very volatile market. We're at all-time historic highs. We're seeing the valuations on stocks are historically high. They're not necessarily outrageously high, but they are on the upper end of the high spectrum. And the thing that really concerns me most about those earnings is that we know for a fact The corporations have been decreasing their forward earning expectations. The rate of growth in earnings is slowing down. It's not accelerating. And so when you're at a market high like this and valuations are pretty pricey, they're pretty rich. It's just extra concerning when at the same time we're seeing corporations saying that their earnings growth is slowing down. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going into a recession, but growth in first quarter was obviously very poor. Now, it was blamed on the weather, and if you remember, last year was blamed on the weather. So I'm not sure why we didn't see more growth in 2015 if there was very bad weather in the first quarter of 2014 as well. Um, also, with last year, once we did come out of the severe weather of 2014, when we went into the spring and summer, we saw a great deal of growth. We're not seeing that right now, and we're over halfway through second quarter. That growth is not materializing. So although the Federal Reserve and others have been predicting 25 or 3% growth in 2015, it sure doesn't look like it's coming in this first half of the year. So the economy is really going to have to accelerate in the last half of the year to catch up and do that 25 or 3% growth. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. No one has a crystal ball, but it certainly doesn't look like it's happening right now. And again, this is when we're seeing the market hitting all-time highs. And based on the comments I've been receiving from listeners where people are just jumping into the market and they're trying to do very short-term swing trading when the risk-reward ratio, in my opinion, is not in their favor. As I mentioned in the last episode, I like to trade with momentum when I think that there are a lot better odds of me winning than me losing. Well, I'm going to carry on that theme in this episode, and I want to start out by telling you about a trade that I made back in. I think it was fourth quarter of 2012. This is something I've talked about in previous podcasts. It's documented. It's over on my firm's website, investablewealth.com. So here's the example. Towards the end of 2012... I looked at a chart of gold, and you remember gold had peaked in 2011 and then it had come down some in 2012, but then the chart did what I call a hook and barb over at Investors Business Daily. They call it a cup and handle. It's a particular chart pattern, and when I analyzed that, and I looked at the price volume ratio, and I looked at current trends, and I looked at what was going on in the marketplace. I determined that the upside to gold at that time could be as much as 30%. Now, many of you hear me down talking gold right now. You've heard me say that for a couple years now. And you think I hate gold. I don't hate gold. I love anything I can make money at, but I only love it when I'm making money at it. And at that time, when I looked at the chart, I could see the potential for a 30% increase if all the cylinders hit at the right time, if everything was perfectly in alignment. And I also, by using protective puts, and we'll talk about those in an upcoming episode as, as one method of hedging your bets or of one method of risk management, I'm not going to go into that right now, but I was able to get a protective put for about five months at a cost premium of only 2.5%, right around 2.5%. So what that meant was, is that the most I could lose on my trade was 2.5%. But my analysis led me to believe that the upside could be as high as 30% and so from a risk reward strategy do you see how that works out I'm risking two and a half percent but I think I could make as much as thirty percent now I didn't have a crystal ball and if you know anything about the price of gold from the end of 2012 to the through the first quarter of 2013 you'll know that the price of gold collapsed and it dropped about thirty percent and actually that was in my calculations too I wasn't worried about that because remember I had that protective put I was using an option to protect, to put a floor under my trade. And again, this is explained over an investable wealth. Do a search on gold on my website, and I'm sure you'll find it. But I was able to put that floor underneath my trade where the most I could absolutely lose was 2.5%. So I wasn't worried that the market collapsed 30% because I wasn't going to lose any more than 2.5%. My upside breakout that I analyzed led me to believe that it could go up as much as 30%. When I analyzed that chart on gold and I thought about all the trends that were taking place and I looked at everything that was happening, my thoughts, and again, this is just my thoughts, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have any insider information. I look at things logically and I try and draw rational conclusions. And when I looked at that chart, I felt that the price of gold could break either up or break down. Remember, with any trade, there's only three outcomes. It can go up, it can go down, it can remain the same. When I looked at that chart of gold, my feeling was that there was a 50-50 chance at least that it could go up or a 50-50 chance that it could go down. But whether it went up or down or remained the same, because I protected my position, the most I was going to lose was 2.5%. And so in that particular time, with that particular trade, I was willing to risk 2.5% of my money to make upwards of a 30% return, even if it was only 50% probability. As it turns out, the price of gold collapsed. I lost 2.5%. But had I won, had I made that 30% return with the amount of money that I invested in that trade, and this is my own money. This wasn't client money. This is just my own personal money. I would have come out of that trade in less than five months with a gain of about $180,000. So I was willing to risk about $12,500 on a trade that could net me $180,000. You see, I have enough capital that I could absorb a 12000 or $13,000 loss. My kids don't go without food if I lose that kind of money, right? I'm a professional trader. I can afford to lose that that's well within my margin of error. And the upside of that was, had I made $180,000, well, you know what? That's about three and a half times the average household income in America. And that would be for not even five months of work. So I'm willing to take those kind of risks with my money. That's how you build wealth. But before you can grow your investments like that, you've had to have saved and earned to be able to have the capital to put it to work for you. And sometimes you lose. And when you do, you go on. But you know what? Other times you gain. And you make that $100,000 or $200,000 on a trade. That's what you're striving for. That's a home run. But you don't hit a home run every day. You may hit a lot of base hits. You may only hit a home run once every other year. But as long as you're at a minimum keeping up with inflation and on average keeping up somewhere with where the market is, those are the base hits. And then on the time you hit those big home runs, and especially when you're hitting them when other people are losing money, that's what maximizes your wealth. But I get concerned when I hear many of you, particularly those of you that don't have experience, that think that you can go out and make these little 1% or 2% trades and be consistently successful at it in a very volatile market. That point I'm trying to reiterate to you is, is that if you're only making 1% or 2%, you're never going to be able to absorb those 5 and 8% losses which are just going to come naturally. In my opinion, you should not commit your money to a trade where you think the upside is only 1% or 2% and where you think that you can be right 100% of the time. You need to factor in that you're going to be wrong maybe 50% of the time. You want to cap your losses at somewhere between 5 and 10% and you want your potential to be somewhere around 30%. Because you're not going to always hit that potential. In fact, many times, particularly in these markets that we've been in, if I get up around 20%, I just sell. I take the profit. I don't get greedy. If I can make a 20% profit in three months, I don't look back. I don't think about what I could have had or, or what might have happened or if I'd have held onto it for another day. If I make 20% on my money, I put it in the bank. I know that if I just made a 20% profit, particularly if I make it over just a, a short period of time, a couple months, that in theory, that 20% profit would be worth almost three years of a 7% return. I mean, if you think about the average return that investors like to get a safe, reliable, optimistic return, you're probably talking about 7%. So 7% over three years will be 21%. Well, if you can make 20% swing trading in a two or three month period, in theory, you could take the next three years off and still come out about average with the market and that's a guaranteed return because you've already taken the risk you only expose yourself to a risk of two or three months you could spend the next three years risk-free either in money market fund or keep rolling your money over into a certificate of deposit or buying three-month treasuries for the next three years and come out twenty percent ahead now I'm not necessarily saying you should do that I'm not saying you should take that kind of a vacation but that's the way the numbers work out you don't always have to trade it's okay to go to cash I'm belaboring the point, but again, I want to make this perfectly clear. In a market like we're in now, where the market, the stock market, is at all-time highs and the bond market is at all-time lows, you don't have a lot of safe harbors. You don't have a lot of places where you can hide without taking on a lot of risk. Valuations are high in both bonds and in stocks. Doesn't mean you can't make money. Doesn't mean we're going to have an economic collapse. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means that you should be cautious and you should also not be greedy. If you've made money over the last two or three years because the stock market's been very favorable, well, don't be afraid to take profits. I want to close out this podcast with two old sayings. I don't want to belabor the point. I'm just concerned that many of you are confusing my method of swing trading with more short-term high-risk trading. That's not what I'm a proponent of. Oh sure, the guys that are doing high-frequency trading, they can make money off of that. They can make money off of fractions of pennies. But you can't. You don't have their money. You don't have their algorithms. You don't have their speed. You'll get eaten up. Trust me, I've been doing this for 30 years. Okay, so I want to end this podcast with two old sayings. This one saying comes from my grandfather. I haven't heard anybody say it in a lot of years, and I'm not sure how common it used to be, but my grandfather would say it. He was a baseball fan. He loved the Pittsburgh Pirates. Whenever he would see someone that was overconfident or was being too cocky, he would say that that person was born on third base and they went through their whole life thinking they'd hit a triple. Now, some of you may not understand baseball, but I think you'll get the logic to that. What he was trying to say is, is that a lot of people are born where they're at, right? They're born with the silver spoon in their mouth or they've been given everything. But they go through life overconfident. They go through life thinking that because they're on third base that they hit a triple, that they put themselves there, when in fact they didn't. They inherited it, or they were given it, or whatever. They just had good luck. And eventually, you know, you think of the old scripture, pride cometh before the fall. Well, you'd eventually see those people take a fall, right? That's what happens to people that win the lottery, or they get a big inheritance. What happens? In two or three years, they're broke. They were born on third base, and they thought they hit a triple. I bring that up because, as I mentioned, the markets have been very good for the last three years. A lot of people have gotten good returns over these last three years. They've seen their assets grow. And and particularly for younger people that didn't suffer through 2007 and 2008, they've made a lot of money in these last three years. And so they think they're Warren Buffett, right? And go back to my previous episode that I have on you're not Warren Buffett. Just because every trade that you've made maybe has worked out in the last three years doesn't mean that the next three years are going to work out for you. Maybe you were born on third base and you think you hit a triple. So don't be cocky. Don't be overconfident. And That leads me to the next saying that I'll close out this podcast with. When I was in the military, I spent a lot of time in aviation, and the pilots used to say, there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old bold pilots. The premise there being that the people that take risks They may do that when they're young, but if they continue to take risks, they die, they crash their planes, they don't ever live to be old pilots. Well, the same can be said about investors. You may be able to be a bold investor. You may be able to take a lot of risks for a year, two years, three years. But at some point when the catastrophe comes, if you're not prepared, you'll get wiped out. Just a quick example of that. I see a lot of people that use a strategy that when, the, when you're in an up market, you can make a lot of money at and you can almost always beat the averages. And you'll see some professional people do this as well. They'll, they'll tout the record and they'll say, the last three or four years, you know, we've, we've beat the index. We've beat the S&P by 3% or 4 years you know we have beat the index we have beat the s and p by 3 or 4 percent consistently. Well, that's because the strategy they're using involves either options or leverage, which as long as the market's going with them, it works out. And they can make an extra 2 or 3 or 4, maybe even 5 or 10% above the market. But when the market turns and goes the other way, that strategy, that leverage goes against them as well. And when the market goes down 10 or 20%, they end up losing like 80%. And so if you've beat the market for 3 or 4 years, and then when the turbulence comes, those 80% crashes totally wipe them out. Now a lot of amateurs do this and that's how they get wiped out. That's what happened to people during the dot com bubble. And shoot, you don't even have to go back that far. Just go back, was it March when the Swiss Central Bank overnight decoupled the franc to the euro? What happened? The market shifted like 30% overnight and there were several large if not the largest foreign exchange trading funds. I'm talking professionally managed funds that almost went out of business. I remember some some big banks had to come in and bail them out. These were professional traders that knew better. They should have protected themselves, but they didn't. They put everything on the line and they did that because they were trying to squeeze every penny out of a market that was going up. When that market shifted on them, they lost everything. They were bold investors that weren't going to be around long enough to be old investors. I don't want to see that happen to you. Make sure that your risk reward strategy is appropriate. I have strategies that work for me. They're not necessarily going to work for you. If if you're doing something and it's working, then refine it, make it better, improve it. Make it your own. Don't mimic what I do. Don't do exactly what some other trader is doing. Do what works for you. But I do want you to be cautious. I want you to look back more than just the last couple months or the last two or three years. Look back through history. Make sure what you're doing now is going to stand up in good times as well as bad. Well, hey, as always, if you have questions or concerns or you want to get a comment to me, you can do that through the website, which is wealthsteading.com. On our next episode, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a 112-hour work week and what kind of crazy people would do that. Until then, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.